Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, back here in Atlanta. And we welcome you to this week where we were going to have a very special discussion here coming up in just a minute with the National Recruiting Director for ESPN. He's Paul Biancardi. He's a coach of many, many years, was a former Horizon League Coach of the Year when he was a head man at Wright State, longtime assistant coach, and has been with ESPN for several years now leading this charge where he has become the number one go-to when it comes to high school basketball. We'll get the latest on Paul, and we've got some breaking news from Paul Biancardi as well, so we'll pass that along in just a moment. Our podcast this week is sponsored by Jersey Mike's. They offer a sub above, one that's measured in more than inches or seconds till served. Jersey Mike's carefully considers every aspect of what they do, every slice, every sandwich, every store. They seek to provide their customers with sustenance and substance as well. Paul Biancardi is my guest. We'll get to that interview in just a second. The only big news of the week in college basketball to share is the fact that on Monday, the 20th, the NCAA allowed the campuses to welcome back their basketball players, both men and women, for summer workouts. And many of the major colleges in Division I have taken that up and they are getting their athletes back on campus and in the gym here locally. We watched Georgia, Georgia Tech get going again, but all across the country. Uh, this is something that's been happening this week and uh, more to come on that in future podcasts. But right now, let's get caught up with Paul. A very weird summer to say the least. We all know what's going on, how it's impacted sports, but nothing has been hit harder than the summer basketball camp circuit. And Paul will explain why. Our discussion this week with our good friend, Paul Biancardi. Always great to catch up with Paul Biancardi, who this time of year usually is not home. Uh, Paul, when's the last time When's the last time in the month of July you saw your house? When I was 10 years old. <laughs> uh, you know, Bob, I thought about that. I mean, Have you with us, and we look forward to our next meeting. And that'll do it for this week, College, our podcast, brought to you by Jersey Mike's. From Atlanta, this is Bob Rathbun, you know, thanking you for joining really us, and we'll see you here next week. Basketball, including, I'm sure, yourself not being in a gym in some way, shape, or form in the month of July. But I did get to go to an event last week in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, for the big shots. It was so good to be in the gym evaluating, and I helped them run a camp. So it's unusual not to be in a gym in July. There's no question. Well, it's so good to hear your voice. We we love when our paths cross, and uh, just wanted to catch up with you, Paul, mainly because, you know, the, the Naismith with our high school awards, and it got us to thinking about – you know, what is happening uh, with high schools and camps and recruiting? And I figured, well, there's nobody better in the world to talk to than Paul Biancardi. And here we are. So, first of all, I'm glad you and your family are fine. That's number one. And number two, uh, what is the latest? What, how do you make sense of this craziness this summer? Well, I think you got to look at it like in every other business. You know, my business is college basketball, college recruiting. The springtime got wiped out. Nobody had any events in the spring. Uh, kids were at home. Uh, they, some people started what they called virtual camps, uh, where they just basically did strength and conditioning drills and some basketball 
dribbling and pivoting drills, which is all really good uh, to kill the time. And a lot of prospects, or all the prospects that were being recruited, had to get recruited virtually. So college coaches were getting on Zoom calls with prospects trying to get to know them. They were trying to watch their games on video. And now we're in the summertime, and there's a few events going on, but most of the events throughout the country got canceled. The major events got canceled because they have teams that fly in from all over the country. What you're seeing right now are regional events. I went to the Big Shots in Myrtle Beach. They had teams from North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee a little bit. So it was all regionalized, and teams could, you know, drive in or bus in. And and that's where we are right now in the high school recruiting landscape. There's been a ton of basketball commitments. Even though kids maybe haven't taken official visits, they've taken virtual visits, which is kind of strange to say. And um, we're hoping that the month of August picks up where there are more events so kids can get out and play, and colleges will not be able to go, but they can watch online. And yesterday on ESPN.com, you broke the news of Kendall Brown, uh, one of these uh, five-star prospects that committed to Baylor. Um, but you're right, Paul, it, it uh, has not stopped. It's just changed this process of recruiting. And I'm wondering what this will do to recruiting in the future when uh, we're back traveling and having camps like we normally do and there's evaluation periods. Do you see a change coming in the way colleges recruit? I do. I do. And you mentioned Kendall Brown, which uh, we broke that news yesterday. He never visited Baylor, and that's strange. I mean, he made a commitment, had a great relationship with the coaching staff, and um, they just did such a good job on the phone, on the Zoom, and he was comfortable. He took official visits to Ohio State and Marquette, ended up making a commitment to somewhere he'd never visited. So I think you're going to see more colleges utilize Zoom. It saves their budget big time, and I think all budgets in the future – uh, taking a big hit, as we all know. So there'll be more virtual recruiting, but nothing takes the place uh, of that face-to-face uh, contact and interaction that you have on official visits and when college coaches get into the gym and watch guys play. It's a two-way street. Uh, kids and families want to get that feel of the college coaches, and they want to be in their presence. And that's important because you can read body language. Well, coaches, they have to see guys live because you can see – the body language of a player. You can see the interaction. You can see how coachable they are. And and seeing a game live is so much different than seeing it on film. So I think it's going to benefit both people that you can do work virtually, but nothing will take the place of in-person recruiting. No question, but it will make the ads happy <laughs> when they when they don't have when to. Make the business manager real happy. Exactly. Exactly. But you got to do some you know physical face. Uh, to face recruiting before you can get to that Zoom. The Zoom is good for before um, and and after maybe, but somewhere in the middle there has to be some personal interaction. Paul, nobody's closer to this situation than you. You're talking to college coaches all the time. A lot is made these days, of course, with the restart of football, but of course basketball and the winter sports are not that far behind. What is the feeling that you're getting about Uh, college athletics, the restart this fall, because we're only, you know, four or five weeks away from campuses getting cranked up again. Well, I think with the NCAA, they're they're doing the right thing in terms of 
they're letting each conference, you know, take care of their own, each school almost. And I think conferences are just trying to get information on a week-by-week basis. They do have to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And obviously they have to be prepared for people to be tested positively. And uh, what are they going to do with those players? How are they going to quarantine those guys, make sure the other guys don't get sick? I mean, it's going to be, a, I think, a very consuming and, and daunting uh, process with COVID, and you're trying to play games. Bob, I think the big question is the fans. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you going to let are you going to let thirty, forty, fifty thousand go to Ohio State, eighty thousand, ninety thousand people in a stadium? And would you go to a game with that many people in the stadium? Now, the good thing about football is it's outdoors, and, and I think that obviously helps. But the proximity of those seats, as you know, you're sitting, you know, fanny to fanny on those. Uh, those little benches. So I, will fans be there? I think the games will be played. I really do. I think what you did to TBT, I think the, the, the COVID protocol worked extremely well there. And you know, they're doing it at some summer camps now in football and basketball. I think the games will be played. The question to me is, will the fans be in the seats? Right. I wanted to ask you this because you're such a big proponent uh, here in Georgia. Uh, we have instituted a shot clock in high school basketball. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Paul, give us you know your take on this and where it is nationally and why you think this is so important. Well, Bob, ever since I took this job at ESPN, I started to notice you know the lack of a shot clock in games, and it really started to grow on me that the game itself, whether you're a college athlete or not, this has nothing to do with kids playing college basketball. This has to do with the high school game. And, you know, I watched thousands of games. And so the more games that I watched without a shot clock, I thought the level of play was poor overall. Now, I understand strategy when you have a lead and, you know, you're the underdog and you got to hold the ball. But I don't think that was how the game was invented to be played. I just think the shot clock adds an element of pace to the game. You don't have to take bad shots just because you have a shot clock. There's plenty of bad shots without a shot clock. I think the pace of the game will be better. It could increase scoring. I definitely believe it will increase the skill level of all the players because they'll have to pass, catch, uh, shoot, and possibly dribble within that time period. You don't know who's going to touch the ball. And I think it's great for the the defense. You know, the defense gets a chance to execute their game plan against an offense that you know they can't hold the ball. So I think it really improves high school basketball. I think it improves the game. I think the players improve. And every player that I've spoken with, whether they're college-bound or a young man who may never play college basketball, they have all told me, We'd love to play with a shot clock. So I applaud the state of Georgia for doing this. I believe that they are the 10th state to implement a shot clock. And I understand it's going to be in phases, so they won't do it all over the state right away. I believe they're going to do it in preseason tournaments, maybe holiday tournaments uh, regionally, and then go all over the state. But I, I think it's a great step, and it's a positive step for high school basketball. And, and let me leave you with this point. When you go international game they play with a shot clock teenagers from different countries in europe australia wherever you want to go china there's shot clocks for the high school kids for their club teams so we are the only body that doesn't have a shot clock for our adolescents 
What kind of reaction, Paul, do you get from the coaches about this? Uh, high school coaches? Yes, sir. They love it, most of them. I, I think the people that are saying we don't need one are people that maybe just don't want change or they don't want to coach it because it is hard to coach with a shot clock. I mean, you're talking about, you know, possible two-for-one scenarios at the end of quarters. You're talking about, you know, baseline out of bounds with a short clock, sideline out of bounds. Um, you, you have to do more coaching uh, with the shot clock and maybe some coaches that are comfortable uh, without it don't want it, but a majority of them really want it. Even the ones with lesser talent understand that, you know, it's good for the game. Now, they may get beat by more points than they possibly would, but I like to flip that with the coach and say, hey, if you're down big in a game, the only way you're going to come back is with a shot clock because the ball has to change possessions for you to make a comeback in a game, right? Exactly. You've been doing NBA games forever, and, and you are an expert in that field. How many games have you seen where a team was down 20, 25 points, and because of a 24-second shot clock, next thing you know it was single digits, and now it's a two-possession game? And you're right, Paul. Of course, they're pros, and they've seen it all, but the big thing is that you don't panic if you're down big early, you know, in the high schools and and even in college, you know, you get down 15, 20 early, uh, usually it's sayonara, but in the pros, that's not the, not the case to exactly what you're saying is that there are so many possessions. Uh, and, and with the three-point shot, you can really turn a game rather quickly. Um, we're still looking forward to our uh, Hawks-Naismith Classic uh, here in Georgia. Our Holiday Classic is still on the books for December 11th and 12th. We're so excited. The uh, the Naismith tip-off classic comes along in November. We're still hoping for that, too. But uh, this high school event in December, the, where the Hawks have partnered with Naismith, has really started to grow and become one of the big-time events, has it not? Oh, without, without a doubt. I mean, it, it's, it's an event that college coaches have to flock to, or they can watch it online. Uh, the state of Georgia, especially the city of Atlanta, loves this basketball, and I think it's so well attended. I believe it was sold out last year. And when you're looking at talent, you're looking at talented teams, terrific coaches, and, and guys that I have my eyes on in terms of, of ranking the top players in the country. So I, I think it's it slowly has developed in, into one of the premier events that I think scouts and college coaches have to go to. Well, we look forward to it. Paul, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. It's great catching up with you. I can't wait till we can uh, see each other again in person because uh, we love getting together with you, and thanks for all you do. All right, Bob. Uh, last quick point, Matt Cleveland from Pace Academy just made his verbal commitment to Florida State a few minutes ago, so there's a little nugget for you. Oh, there you go. We are breaking news on the Trophy Life podcast. I love it. <laughs> Paul, thank you, my friend. Great to be with you. Paul, thank you very much. Great catching up with you. Appreciate you coming on the program with us. That's going to do it for this week. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and a review. Your support makes A Trophy Life possible, and the feedback only goes to help us improve the show. So thank you for that in advance. This week's podcast brought to you by Jersey Mike's. Learn more at jerseymikes.com. Until next week, this is Bob Rathman thanking you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.